Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello, fellow listeners. It's Mary Stone. I'm on the screen porch, and it is a chilly, chilly, chilly morning. And actually, there's a haze, sort of like a cloud, that I'm looking at from inside the screen porch. I want to thank all of you that have reached back to me after listening to the last episode about my unexpected furry messenger and and the wonderful facility of Father John's Animal House, a rescue facility. So I'm getting, you know, used to the, I was going to say new routine, but I'm going to call it lack of routine that having Miss Ellie for all those years um, provided me. But I am continuing on with my walks, and I'm going to do one this morning. I've had uh, too busy of a schedule the last few days to manage it, but um, I'm out there, and uh, some days it's a little hard in the heart, and other days I'm finding comfort following the routines that um, she so blessedly gave me. And uh, anyway, I have a few topics in mind. I want to share the news that uh, this podcast is now just over one year old, and so as we go from season to season, I can't help myself but reflect back on previous topics last fall. As I'm looking out at the leaves that are shifting their colors, I'm reminded of episode 6 titled Chasing Rainbows and Why Leaves Change 101. Every year the leaf change has a different personality. Uh, Last year it was rather dismal because of a very wet growing season and this one was dry and hot. And so there's a lot of color and it's happening quickly and there's a lot of change going on in the world. Um, Some of it is hard to... (laughs) deal with, isn't it, as we approach the election here in the United States. And um, with that comes some change, for sure. And uh, we all have some anticipations that um, make for a discomfort, but there's also comfort in knowing that uh, all of this has a reason, just as the seasons do. Anyway, I'm going to get along with my walk and uh, please join me back here on the screen porch. Maybe go grab a cup of coffee or hot tea. Thanks so much. So I'm back on the screen porch after a road walk, as I told you I was going on, and uh, it was so delightful because some of the leaves are falling, and uh, as they did, they kind of danced onto my shoulders. (laughs) Kind of felt like kisses from heaven. (laughs) Just that lovely sound. So I am going to talk about spruce disease dilemmas, which sounds a bit um, negative, but uh, there are lessons in this story that I look forward to sharing with you. And it starts like this. Hello, fellow readers. While spruce disease dilemmas, such as canker disease and needle cast, are sadly destroying trees, there are lessons to gain from prevention and remedies that came from an exchange with new clients I'd like to share. It's a delight to begin working with Lori and Greg of Long Valley, New Jersey, who moved from Staten Island into a farmhouse to live a dream, including rescuing miniature horses, goats, and other critters such as exotic birds and chickens, now pets. 
Lori described her taste as a structured wild child, and a fairy taleish garden is her wish. They arrived in their new home about six months ago, and already Greg is transforming the badly pruned row of boxwood into a charming square shape. Surrounding the hedge is a wildly colorful, random assortment of plants that he recently planted. A side note on this I have a pet peeve about meatball shapes, which seems to be one of the fates of most boxwood, I notice, or many. And uh, while I'm not a fan of boxwood in that shape, um, there is a time that a shape is relevant for design, but not really meatballs, I'm just saying. <laughs> A priority is to replace a crab apple formally on the left side of the historic stone farmhouse. They desire an evergreen that will mature to a height of 20 feet by 6 feet or so. So that would be a pretty skinny tree. And of course it's deer country, I'm talking spontaneously here, so there is a limited palette that we can choose there, but um, I reached out to my favorite nurseryman, Ben Jansen of Jansen's Nursery in Florida, New York, and he suggested a weeping white spruce, which is a great idea. Picea glauca pendula is tall and skinny, reaching up to 20 to 30 feet tall and 6 to 10 feet wide. It's graceful yet rustic, reminding me of the Christmas tree in Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Recall how the Who's in Whoville circle the tree with hands in each other's hands, singing with such love and celebration on Christmas morning, despite being stripped of all decorations by the Grinch. I just love that scene, don't you? Oh gosh, it's just so glorious to see the joy and the sharing of love despite the hardship and despite what he thought was going to ruin Christmas. There's lessons in that too, isn't there? Greg heard some spruces are plagued with a fungus called needle cast. A colleague is removing 15 from a property due to damage. He went on to say she heard of a resistant fir tree. It's true, spruces, primarily blue spruce in this neck of the woods, have been on the decline primarily because of canker disease. And, as Greg learned, needle cast is another fungal dilemma affecting them. The symptoms are similar. So in the column I go about uh, describing the differences in the two fungal diseases, and I have photos, as you would guess. Um, I'm going to try to summarize this because it may be a little dry to read about it specifically, but um, canker disease usually shows up as random dieback generally starting with the lower branches, which is the same, by the way, as needle cast, although not always. First, needles brown on the dead branch before they fall off. But the key difference between canker disease and needle cast is when it's a canker disease, if you inspect the tree closely, you'll notice there's an oozing white sap, which is the tree's response to the fungus. Needle cast, on the other hand, if you look closely at the needles, you'll see these little tiny black dots on the infected needles, and those are actually the fruiting structures of the fungus. Like Ben, I have never heard of fir trees that are resistant to needle cast. Firs, in fact, are the most vulnerable. The only firs that I carry are white fir because they seem to be the most resistant now. I don't carry Douglas fir at all. The worst for needle cast, writes Ben. Over the years, we've talked about many plant diseases, and the truth be known, providing the best environment that fits each plant's cultural needs is the best prevention, including proper soil and site conditions, sun versus shade, adequate moisture, and enough space between them for good airflow as they grow. In other words, let them be as they're supposed to be and give them room and so they can all spread and have space and, and be their own person, <laughs> their own plant. 
The same is true for us to prevent, and I put in quotes, dis-ease, dis-ease. As we continue on this journey through trying times, we have many magnificent blessings surrounding us. One of them is the relationships with each other. May we hold each other's hands in appreciation and celebration for this beautiful country we are privileged to live in and spread peace, harmony, and love. Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com Thanks so much. I'm going to take a little bit of a break and get right back to you with a another column that um, I think you'll really, really enjoy because it's about a very special tree and the reflection of hope. Stay tuned for part two. So this column was written early in the summer, just when the press newspaper that I write for got back on the newsstands uh, in the thick of the coronavirus uh, dilemma. <laughs> we, um, we only had a digital version of the uh, paper online, so it was a treat to see it in print again. I know I'm sounding a little old-fashioned, but there's something about paper. <laughs> there's something about reading it in print. Um, anyway, I'm going to share this column now, and it's titled, A Forest Pansy, Redbud of Hope. The printed version of our column in the press is back on the stands. It's nice to see some things returning to how they used to be. Others will never be the same, which is always the case. A sure thing in life is it's ever-changing. May a rainbow of hope, peace, and love follow this storm, which brings me to a story of a forest pansy redbud tree planted in the memory of an extraordinary young man. I want to share a little bit more spontaneously about this young man. He is the son of my very first clients that I had as a landscape designer, and uh, we've become friends. I managed their property over many years, and so I watched their children grow up, and both of them, the uh, son and daughter, are extraordinary. In the fall, we planted a tree at Morristown High School in New Jersey in memory of Miles, a remarkable young man. Miles of smiles is the contagious phrase that describes how he brightened the world with his presence and kindness to all that had the privilege of sharing a bit of his life, no matter our walk in life. Miles loved bright colors, especially reds, which is why we chose a forest pansy redbud for its glorious colors throughout the year. From the hot pink blooms that coat the branches in spring to the unfurling leaves that grow into shiny reddish purple hearts that deepen to maroon as they mature. Then the canopy turns into flames of reds, yellows, and orange come fall. And by the way, on the website, gardendilemmas.com, there's a photo of the um, leaves emerging this spring and they're shiny. So the little heart-shaped red leaves are shiny. They're just so magnificent. Margarita, a knowledgeable plantswoman, organized the planting and continues to take loving care of Miles' tree. Earlier in the season, it was doing beautifully, she said. The flower buds formed and were ready to burst into bloom, and then the leaves were beginning to emerge. Then, upon her next visit, there was a devastating decline. She sent photos of the withered leaves that I forwarded to the nursery, who confirmed that it was frost damage from the two nights below freezing. It's true, by the way, this spring around Mother's Day, we had two consecutive nights below freezing. So there were many trees that um, had their 
early emerging leaves frozen off. And when it's a new tree, of course, there's more risk of, you know, sadly, even killing the tree. And uh, I don't know, there's nothing worse than having a memorial tree not make it, right? I mean, there's something about that that is just doubly sad. Sayersus canadensis forest pansy is native to eastern and central North America. This deer-resistant beauty is hardy in zones 6 through 8, growing about 25 feet tall and wide. Red buds prefer full sun in milder zones like ours and part shade in hotter climates. While they can tolerate clay soil, the soil must drain well as they decline quickly if too wet. Once established, red buds will tolerate occasional drought, but during its first years after planting, consistently moist soil is crucial. And so, Margarita installed a nifty tree gator, a slow-release watering bag that drips water over five to nine hours with each fill. One fill will typically provide enough moisture to last a newly planted tree, say a one or two inch caliber tree, for up to seven days. Using a tree gator takes management though. If there's plenty of rainfall, don't fill the tree gator. Soil that's too wet for too long depletes oxygen to the roots, which can eventually kill a tree. And so last fall, by the way, it was a very rainy fall. And so I was a little nervous that this tree gator was installed, but again, Margarita was on top of it. She would visit the site and fill it only when we were in a dry spell. For now, Ben Jansen of Jansen Nursery advised that we only let Mother Nature water the tree. Too much water will add stress to an already stressed tree that needs to put energy into pushing out a new set of leaves, Ben said, adding, red buds are particularly finicky about too much water. Margarita reports pliable twigs and branches showing the promise of new life. Once the leaves emerge, we will test the soil with a moisture meter and reinstall the tree gator should Mother Nature not provide enough rainfall. Over the course of the growing season this year, I was getting back and forth reports from Margarita, hoping that this tree was gonna recover. But uh, anyway, the good news is the tree has recovered. And this was actually pretty recently, it was in mid-August when um, Margarita wrote, major comeback, all boldface exclamation point at a picture of the tree which now is filling out the canopy and you can just see the maroon color of the leaves kind of mixed in with some greenish ones. And originally when it was recovering, it was kind of like a half a tree. And now you can see that the tree is just magically branching out on the left side and forming a canopy that looks like a normal forest pansy. So the parents of Miles wrote back, looking good, thanks for caring and sharing. And of course, I had to share the photo with my nurseryman, Ben, and he wrote back, awesome, that's one that I'm so happy turned around. Two thumbs up to those guys who cared for it. So there you go. There is hope. There is renewal. There is recovery. There is love. Thank you for coming by and sitting with me on the screen porch. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, I hope you share it with your friends that you think they enjoy it as well. And please subscribe if you haven't done so already. It's been fun to watch our community grow. And I want to thank all you for making it possible and for listening in and for supporting me and supporting each other. Shall we all hold hands in hope? Thanks so much. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. 
Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day. Thank you.